Hey everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the show, the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. You know the show where I sit down with amazing humans and I unpack their brains with the goal of helping you live your dreams. Today's guest is Tom Bilyeu. Now you may be familiar with Tom's work because he built a company called Quest Nutrition. Those energy bars you see in the grocery store, he sold that company for a billion dollars. This episode isn't about that sale or that journey building the company, but it is about what he's taken, that money, that knowledge, and those resources, and how he's applied it to Web3, NFTs, cryptocurrency. If these are terms that you're interested in, this is an amazing primer, a foundational episode that helps you, the creator, the entrepreneur, the thought leader, the freelancer. It helps you understand what your potential future spot could be in the next generation of the internet. It's an incredible uh, episode. Tom is very articulate about the processes, a little bit about the technology, but mostly about where all this is going and what role you could play in it if you so choose. I'm gonna get out of the way. Yours truly, Tom you enjoy the show. One of the most powerful messages that you can hear are the three words, it is possible. Whatever your thing is, whether it's, it's music, fine art, filmmaking, building a business, nonprofit work, you can build a living and more importantly, a life around that thing. Now, one of the most often overlooked aspects of success here, not to mention a well-lived life, is acquiring those skills. That's why more than 10 years ago, I founded creativelive.com. This is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education, bar none. That's the reason that I'm you know, on my soapbox right now is because I believe so deeply in it. This is where, again, tens of millions of people have already learned how to take action and affect their life for the better. Again, to pursue their passions, to create a living and a life in an area that they would love to spend their time. In addition to classes around photography, video, art, design, music, audio, there's also things like health and wellness, mindfulness, meditation. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you're aware that I used to encourage you to buy a class to try and transform one aspect of your life. And that was like 99 or 149 bucks, say. Now we've moved Creative Live to subscription first. So you can get access to more than 2,000 classes for roughly the same price of a single class just a year or two ago. An annual subscription is now just $149. That's right, that's a whole year. What is that, like 13 bucks for access to thousands of hours of super high-end learning content, all for one simple price. You can play annually or you can pay monthly, whatever works for you. Where do you do that? Go to creativelive.com slash creator pass. All right, that about wraps it up. Now let's get back to the show. Tom, you're back on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Excited to be back. How are things? Am, you're, you're, I, what, talk to me. So things are great. I do wish we were in person. That Same. I have learned as, as much as I'm grateful for the technology and the fact that it lets us at least connect this way. Man, it really matters. It, it, it matters. It took me 18 months to feel the burn because I am a bit of an isolationist, if I'm completely yeah. honest. Yeah. I've got my wife, you know, my house. I can run my company remotely. Uh, but now I miss people a lot. And so I am sad that we're not sharing. Same, same. And when you're speaking with someone, you can see their pupils a little bit better when you're in the same space. And uh, I think you 
you know, you probably were well enough aware of our show. We used to have, you know, a hundred people in a live in studio audience for every single show. And while mm. that ship has sailed when we, you know, went from producing one a month to two a week, but just, I miss that energy too, as a ambivert, I'm also whatever, two years in now realizing like, God, we just went out to dinner last night. And that was like, what a rush to go out <laughs> to dinner and order food from a human, you know, these basic things. So, uh, Anyway, here we are. We're doing the best we can. Um, speaking of doing the best we can, you're doing a lot of interesting shit. Thank which you, is, man. Which is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is the second time you've been on this show. I know I've been on yours, Impact Theory. Um, I will share that I just had coffee with a friend of mine, Corey, up the street, neighbor, good buddy. And he's like, oh, you recorded a podcast today. Who are you recording with? And I was you know, explaining your background and credentials and... I found my, the way I described you was, was long, detailed, seemingly mercurial, like, and yet you have a plan. And so for the people who may be new to you or your work, why don't you orient us in space about, you know, what you, what you care about, what your areas of interest and focus are right now. And, uh, and that will be, I think, a good place to, to set the table for where I'd like to take the conversation today. I love it. All right. So by way of quick nutshell, I think it's important to understand my background. So I go to film school, know that I want to be in film from the time I'm 12 years old and just could not figure out how to get into the industry. So that ends up sending me into business where it was like, I need to control my destiny financially and um, actually did end up getting good at business, built a very successful company called Quest, exit that for a billion dollars and decide to take that to build the studio. Now, when I started in filmmaking, there was no why. It was just other than I loved it, right? I loved the art of storytelling. Uh, the more I learned about the magic trick behind the scenes, I was more intrigued, not less. So it just really drew me in. And as a creator, and I'm sure you get this, like, there is nothing quite, and I don't know how non-artists will take this, but there's nothing quite as cool as creating something that gives you the chills. So you're both the creator mm -hmm. and the recipient of that moment. And so that is really special. So that's kept me intrigued for a long time. But in building businesses, and I, I big brothered for a kid in South Central LA for eight and a half years. So between that and then having about a thousand employees that grew up hard, hard, hard uh, here in Southern California in the same way that the kid that I big brothered for did, I began to realize intelligence is evenly distributed, but frame of reference is not. And your frame of reference, meaning just the way you see the world, the things that you believe about yourself, about the world, they control more than people realize. Like if you've ever had a conversation with somebody and you're like, how do you not understand what I'm saying? That is frame of reference where they just, they don't, they have different base assumptions in you and therefore they see different things. So through this whole process, I become obsessed with this idea of, growth mindset, how useful it is, and how if we could get more people to have a growth mindset, you might actually be able to help people with the ravage that is poverty. And so I first just try to teach, hey, here's everything I've learned. You know, as somebody, I didn't grow up with money. I did not grow up poor. I have since realized that, but I didn't grow up with money. And in becoming an entrepreneur and learning all of that, what you're really learning is problem solving. And problem solving is incredibly useful no matter what you're trying to do with your life. And so I was just trying to teach, here's how you problem solve. And 2% of the people that encountered the ideas that changed their life forever. And it's still amazing to get calls and texts, you know, about how this impacted them. But 98% did nothing with the information. And so 
my wife and I just started asking, no bullshit, what would it take to get these ideas across to people in the 98%? And the more I studied human psychology, brain development, the more I centered in around this idea of 11 to 15 year olds. It's known as the age of imprinting. I think it's the moment where we can really have profound impact. And when you think about the, you know, the, the stories and things that really become a part of you, the bands, even the friends, they're usually something you encountered in that age. Like you're just open to it. And so we pivoted and just started putting all of our energy into that. That gave birth to impact theory. And now when you're thinking about 11 to 15 year olds, you start having to ask the question, how do I entertain them first? Because if I don't entertain them, they are not going to listen to any ideas that are, you know, inside of these uh, stories. So, and if you start going down that road, you really start looking at, you know, gaming technology, like where is all this going? And somebody six years ago had introduced this idea to me that they called V atoms. And he's showing me this. And he was like, there's this thing called the blockchain and like this, this digital thing, it really exists. And like, because I can prove that you own it, like, you could give it to somebody else and now they own it. it can be exchanged for goods. And I was like, I said to him, I remember this, that's going to change my business forever. And then I promptly turned and walked away and didn't think about it again until 2021. And somebody was like, cause it, it wasn't there, right? It was so early and there were nobody using it. Um, and somebody goes to me, Hey Tom, you really need to look into this NFT thing. And I had never heard those letters strung together ever before in my life. And I went and looked at it and I was like, oh my God, this is that V Adams digital scarcity thing. I was like, I already knew how important it was going to be that once you can make a digital item truly valuable, because I know how many there are and I know who owns them. And you know that because there's matrix code inside of the image, right? Because people always joke like, oh, I can just right click, save it. Yes, that's actually true. but it doesn't have the code inside of it. So all you right-click saved is the image. And what really makes it an NFT is that code inside of it. Now, because it's a technology, people don't yet understand all the things that it lets you do. But because I had had time to sit with the idea and now saw it coming to fruition, within 72 hours of hearing the letters NFT strung together for the first time, we allocated millions of dollars in development and just went all in because it was very clear to me that a generation that grows up playing Roblox, Minecraft, that they're going to have an expectation that they're going to be able to participate in the brands and products that they get behind. And so that, and I, I think people should stop thinking about NFTs and start thinking about Web3. And will Web3 get a different name somewhere down the line? Probably. Hopefully. But, <laughs> yeah, right. Not, not the catchiest thing ever. Uh, and certainly Web1 and Web2 did not become the way that we talk about it. So who knows what it will end up being called, but the the movement of it all i think is profound i think it will radically shift the um the companies that grow to prominence and it will further reinforce the kind of participatory expectations that a generation that grew up where their video game was they could be in it and creating and playing and building they're just going to have that expectation and so it it's one of those things where I feel like this evangelical need to convey to people what's happening because whatever kids, I mean, what's the quote, uh, demographics are your destiny. And if you don't understand how that demographic, how Gen Z has come up 
and how they perceive the world, going back to that idea of frame of reference. If you don't understand that, then NFTs and Web3 won't make any sense. If you understand that, you understand the human propensity to want to own. Like there, I heard this phrase that was like, basically, if you want um, to raise people out of poverty, you must have highly protected property rights. And so this is essentially bringing property rights to the virtual world, which now lets people that are going to go and spend their time building and creating in a virtual world. Anyway, you only need to look at the stats on Roblox and Minecraft to know they do it in spades. Then it's like, okay, you need robust property rights where I spent all this time building it and I should be able to capture some of that value. All right. That was packed. Yes. I'm very, to, very I'm, dense with information. But that's great. That's that's the goal and the goal of the show. So I'm going to layer on an editorial layer really quickly for uh, the listeners. What I saw from the outside, you built the company, sold it, leveraged the, the uh, experience and the resources in doing so towards what you saw as a new frontier. You paved the way in creating... Uh, you have historically talked about it being, you know, the next Disney in, involved in comic books, in in educational shows such as Impact Theory, Impact Theory University, some other work that you've done with your wife, uh, some books. Congratulations to Lisa on her new book. Thank you. Essentially, you started f- framing, you had a media framework. And when the idea that digital ownership was going to be a huge frontier and uh, underpinning of the future of creativity and entrepreneurship on the internet, you went all in. Is that is that a reasonable editorial layer to place on what you just said? Most definitely. Okay. So the concept of, of NFTs, of digital art, and of a way for... Um, creators to through that matrix code that's embedded in an nft to have ownership over their digital goods for all future eternity and instead of the cool thing is instead of handing those keys to instagram facebook all of the other you know legacy web 2 web 1 sort of media orientation now we're we have an opportunity to be in the driver's seat so if you're an, an evangelizing, you're saying, get on the goddamn bus <laughs> because there is a huge opportunity here. You don't want to miss the bus. This is happening. It's not a, if it's going to happen, it's, it's happening. It's happening before our very eyes and you gave some data points. So if that's my, my, um, packaging of your interesting intro salvo, where I would like us to go now. So people have oriented you in space Tell us or tell, pre- pretend that we're a reasonable layperson audience here and tell us why this matters for creators in a very sp- specific and explicit way. I'm, I'm sort of obfuscating around it so that you can, you can hit the ball out of the park here. But what, why should anyone who is a writer, a creator, an entrepreneur, uh, a disc jockey, a musician a photographer, a designer, why would you care? Okay. So the fundamental question is, do we think as we look into the future that more things will be digital or less things will be digital? And if the past is any indication of the future, this is a one-way street. 
and we keep digitizing everything that we can. And I mean, to the point where, you know, you can think of AI as digitizing intelligence. And so whether general AI becomes a thing or not is irrelevant, the world is already way more like narrow AI than people realize, like really AI is being used in places you, you can't imagine. And so you've got this world that is being increasingly digitized. Now the question becomes the missing part of what happened with the internet was there was no digital version of money. So we had attempts like PayPal. We, we have online banking, which people confuse with a truly digital native layer of commerce. And so the, the real problem hadn't been solved. And so without going into the what is money thing, which is, is, is a very fascinating and interesting rabbit hole. And for anybody that goes down it, you will be richly rewarded with an, a deeper understanding of the world. Um, but you don't even need to do that. You just need to understand that money was never turned into a true digital native currency until now. And what that required was the blockchain because you had to be able to create what they call hard money. You had to know that there was only going to be so many of them so that if you bought one, one was always going to be one, right? Unlike a dollar, which actually declines in value over time. And so once because they can create... print, Because they can print more of them. Correct. Just, uh, and... I'm, I'm going to fill in some of the blanks there. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, again, I don't want to, to go too far down the rabbit hole, but the, the money that we all think of as, you know, like, oh, but I have that much money in the bank. Uh, it doesn't work like that. And so the government can print, print, they're actually just adding zeros to a database, uh, but they can, quote unquote, print more money whenever they want. And the only way to do that, or I should say the effect of that is the value of all that's out there comes down by roughly the amount that you're injecting into it. It's not exactly one for one, but there's a knock-on effect. And so everybody's heard of it. It's called inflation. Okay. So what the blockchain does is it allows you to create a hard money, money that doesn't inflate. And that technology behind it that tracks that so you can know that there are only this many made and they are belong or they are owned by these people technically wallet addresses, but you know who owns it and you know how many there are. And it's very simple. Okay. That technology lets you add value to basically anything. So that's digital. So if you're trying to, to make it digital, the key to making it valuable is making it limited in quantity so that we understand who owns what. Now, the initial pushback that people have is, okay, that sounds terrible because it's digital, why would we impose scarcity upon it? And the answer is whether or not humans should be the way that they are, they are the way that they are. And so deal with the world the way that it is, not the way you wish it would be. And so you need only look at digital artists. And digital artists, I've been collecting pins on Pinterest for 10 years, however long it's been out. I discovered that very early. I have thousands of pins that I've collected. And those artists did not get anything for that. In fact, those artists probably created almost every one of those images for free, or they did it as, a, uh, as part of employment at a larger studio. And so the only way that a 3D artist could make money was going to a game studio or a film studio or to work at a company and create marketing assets. That was it. There was no way, unless they were gonna go the route of making their work 2D and printing it and selling it that way, that was the only way to make money. Or you could do like a, a Patreon where people donated money, but you didn't really have anything you could sell because of the right-click save phenomenon, right? And so once you put it out there, it was the same for everybody. 
the same blockchain technology that allows you to know that money is is limited and that it's owned by these people, which is the very thing that gives it value. Okay, that's we as humans only assign value to whether it's paper currency or whether it's um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever, cryptocurrency. The only way that we will assign a value is if we know, going back to this idea of property rights, that I can actually own it, that it's mine. It can't be taken away from me. And it can't be taken away from me through inflation or by it just somebody being able to right-click, save it, and now it's theirs too, right? So um, when that technology came along, now a 3D artist could go, wait a second. I can put that matrix code inside of my art. I can leave it 3D. It can even be animated. It could even have music. And now I can say, hey, there's only a thousand of these that will ever exist, or there's only one of these that will ever exist. And so now you have a way to sell that in the same way that a traditional artist would be able to sell theirs. But, and here's the important part, it's now to a global audience because we have digitized the value. And when people think about why digitizing the value matters, it matters because you're reaching a global audience. You can have near instantaneous transactions. And so historically, you would have to walk into a specific gallery in New York. They know that they're building that demand and that awareness. So they're gonna take 50% and they're taking 50% of a very narrow band of humanity that had to walk in. So what we're seeing now with the explosion of cryptocurrencies, the blockchain, NFTs, is that this all goes to a global audience, near instantaneous transactions. And because of that, we're getting, Chase, it's like OpenSea alone on a single day will do like $200 million in, in volume. That, that's a day, man. And that's day after day after day after day. And so they'll do billions of dollars a month, every month. It, it's, it is so radical. And that's just the artwork. And I don't think people understand like what, how transformational that is just to the art world. So now, for instance, me as a company, it's way harder to find artists now because they're all like, well, I can go do my own thing. And so now the trade-off becomes, hey, I know how to build audiences. You have a, I should say, because in Web3, let me tell you, there is a massive difference between a community and an audience, which we can do a whole show about that. But sure. I know how to get attention. And you create amazing art. I can get this amazing attention for your amazing art. We can do something together. But now they're coming to the table as a partner. They're not coming to the table, you know, just as collecting a paycheck. Some still do. But most, it's they really are able to step knowing that like, hey, I can build an audience. This is global now. The value's been digitized. And carry that across anything because not only can you create a piece of art, you can create something that carries utility. And so this is what we've done at Impact Theory. So our first drop was something called Impact Theory Founders Key. And the idea is that the Founders Key unlocks all of these things that we're doing in the future. Because we're, we're, uh, we like to call ourselves the new house of ideas. So we are constantly developing intellectual property. And through that development process, we create things. Sometimes it's NFTs, sometimes it's an NFT integration. Um, but there are ways for the people to hold the keys to get access to that, something special about that, early access, free access, exclusive access, discounts, that kind of stuff. And so for a select number of people in the world, that is very valuable. And so they have paid to get those keys so that they can get the different kinds of access that they get. And that is but one 
way that people are doing this. And when you begin to look at all of the different ways, like take ticketing or even music royalties. So there's a company called Royal and their whole concept is to allow like you as a tastemaker to go find somebody who is an up and coming musician. Like I think about this a lot. So I grew up right up the road from a little place called Aberdeen, Washington. And there happens to be a band from this tiny town. If you've ever driven through Aberdeen, you know how small it is. And this always, tiny town always rains, always rains. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it happened to put out a band called Nirvana. And if you had found Nirvana like pre bleach or even at bleach and said, look, I want to buy one of your NFTs. And if that NFT had had like, let's say royalty rights where 30% of the royalties of this um, album or from this band, whatever, are going to go to the holders of this NFT forever in perpetuity. You see how now somebody who either they were going to become an A&R man for a bigger studio, maybe launch their own, you know, small record imprint, but now they can go back for a relatively small amount of money, especially in the early days, 20 bands, 50 bands, help put them on because they have, you know, they're known as a tastemaker, right? They're leveraging their TikTok account to show people they know what's hot. And they're buying the NFTs of these bands. It's really, I think that the Web3 revolution is going to bring back a thriving middle class because you're going to give away for these tastemakers, people that know how to like get attention, but don't necessarily want to scale a big business. They just know good when they see it and can help bring it to other people. They're going to be able to capture some of that value. So I'm going to put some um, glue. I'm going to try and do the same thing I did with your intro. What what Tom's saying to the listeners and watchers is if you are an artist, you will now have the ability to transact free of all of the other influences that historically governed you. You use the example of the art gallery. You can directly create a, uh, you can, if you're a band, you can directly create your own NFT standing for non-fungible token that has a certain value. You buy that value. And if you can help make the new Nirvana more popular over time, essentially you have a little piece of stock in that, uh, in that band. And that would be worth if you bought, uh, uh, the NFT. SEC would never <laughs> let you call that a stock. Let's be very clear. To be uh, crystal you clear. Have, you would have a collectible that yes. would give you um, certain utility. Yeah. The utility um, can be bought and sold on the blockchain using cryptocurrencies. And ultimately, what we're seeing is the issuing of um, the gate holders, the, the opportunity to use your influence in a way that is monetizable and a future that is um, radically decentralized. So if you're an artist right now of any site, any type, or you're a, a, a creator, entrepreneur, whatever your identifier terms are, what Tom is evangelizing is that you figure this out. And these terms are not new. You see them in pop culture, words like cryptocurrency, NFT. And the reason I'm being so simple here is because, you know, these, this is something I've been interested in for a number of years. Um, Tom, I wanted you on the show because I think you are among my circle of friends being perhaps the most aggressive, doing it in a way that is very comprehensive. You have, you know, again, your founder keys, the, the, the access that, that, that owning one of those 
tokens provides to current and future endeavors. Um, it's a very holistic, you've got a roadmap that you've published. The, the ask here of the community is that you start to pay very close attention because this is where the future of, uh, of opportunity lies for creators and entre entrepreneurs on the internet. So with the table now officially set, let's go one level deeper on what you personally are doing because I think it helps, um, it helps demonstrate. We want concrete examples. So I, Chase, purchase a token, a founder's key, and I, you know, I, for one E, which is, uh, I don't know what it's trading at today, but whatever, some amount of money that you, Tom, the seller sets when you mint them. I buy that. I can also buy that on a secondary market somewhere because someone bought it from Tom six months ago. You know, now I can go try and buy it from them on the open market, which is open C S E A is a good place to go there. But again, I'm trying to be re relatively simplistic here. I buy this from you and you have given me basically a set of um, opportunities. So take it from here and explain with pedantic simplicity what what that gets the person, what that, that, what that gets the buyer in your world, in the impact theory world. Absolutely. So in, in our world, it, it's going to get you a lot of different things. So we have three tiers, um, to keep it simple. I'm just going to talk about the top tier, which is our legendary key. Cause it, it has everything. So the other two tiers just get some portion of what I'm going to describe. So the big thing is as the new house of ideas we're constantly creating this ip we are the big thing in the nft space is access to like a whitelist for instance so it can be on a popular project it can be very difficult to get in and if you can get in at the mint which is what you're talking about where you buy it directly from the creator uh the prices are set predetermined you know what they are and um oftentimes they're lower than they're going to be later. Now, not always. Sometimes the price goes down. Sometimes it goes up. Sometimes it vacillates. So that's why I'm always encouraging people to, I don't think of an NFT as a financial instrument. Some people do. There's a ton of trader energy there. It's people, they do this like they would with you know baseball cards or whatever. It isn't about keeping and holding and showing your friends for them. It's about seeing an opportunity, buying low, selling high. Now, when I looked at that, it just became self-evident to me that on a long enough timeline, somebody has to want to hold it. Otherwise, this is just you're hoping to get out at the right time and then somebody ends up sad with their purchase. So what we're trying to create is, is something that's growing organically over time based on the things you get to do because you own this thing. So the first thing that our community was able to do was get a free mint of our Christmas project called Merry Mods. So not only were you, you know, whitelisted, but you could get it for free. And so they got in, they decided whether they wanted to get one of these for free or not. They got it. And now that also has utility and opens up all kinds of things that are Christmas related. So next year, for instance, we'll have an in real life event. We're going to be doing a table read of the screenplay that we're writing for it right now uh, with the actors. And so there's, and that's but one of, you know, a, a very detailed uh, map of things that they can do with that now. So that's the Christmas project. Now, the same people, just a couple months later, 
are, they have, well, one, there's a lot of exclusive things that they get access to in the Discord. Like yesterday, I had Steve Aoki on. If you were a key holder, then you had a chance to ask him questions. Uh, and then also for key holders, Steve Aoki's project gave us special privileges. And so it, it and this is where it's a, I'm going to take one little detour and then I'll get back to the concrete things that it gives you. But for anybody out there that is starting to see what this could be and starting to get excited, there's a sliver of this that is so in plain sight that nobody's talking about it. And I think it's the very thing that we need to, to center and really talk about. So there's a lot of interest and hype around decentralization. I think that's important. I think that will give rise to a lot of cool things, but that isn't what I think ultimately is gonna be the big thing about what I call Web3. So the thing that I think is big is that it creates an incentive for companies to find ever new ways to give you amazing things. And that alignment of selfish desires where the person who owns it wants it to get cooler over time. And then because I want to make sure that I'm adding value to them, both in the holding and if they needed to liquidate and get out for whatever change in their own circumstances, you know, that I'm doing the best that I can to make more people want to hold this thing. And so now you've got me as a, a creative, as a storyteller, looking for what are all the ways that I can do amazing things. So I'm reaching out to a Steve Aoki and saying, hey, I know you're developing something. Would you give special access to our group? Reach out to, you know, uh, I've got people coming on from World of Women. We have not negotiated anything with them, I'm very clear. But like, that's the kind of thing where, hey, if we could do something cool with them, like the community would love it, they would go crazy. Angry Ape Army, another one, some of the best creatives in the film and gaming industry have created this project and they gave um, whitelist access to our community. So now you've got a community holders like, wait, you didn't even talk about that on the roadmap. And yet, because I'm looking for constant ways to add more value, it's like, oh, there's another thing. There's another thing. And so your life becomes that sort of eternal Steve Jobs, but wait, there's more, you know, it's like one more thing. And so that is creating this really cool energy with creatives that have all these big ideas and they just want to keep finding cool ways. Okay. So that sets the stage for this next thing that holders of our keys get, which is ours actually look like high tech keys, but they look like a, a key that we'd use, you would use to open your hotel door, right? It's like a, a you know card and nobody wants to use that as their profile picture on, you know, Twitter or whatever. Uh, but that's like a big use case for a lot of these is to say like, I'm a part of this club. So when we announced, we said, okay, guys, we're, part of the roadmap is the creation of the avatar project. And as I started thinking about how do we really make this cool? It has like ballooned and ballooned and ballooned into this technological extravaganza. And so what I realized probably 10 months ago when I decided that we were really going to go hard on um, the blockchain and web three technology is that we're really becoming an entertainment and technology company. And so as I think about entertainment, as I think about Gen Z, I'm thinking about how they are entertained with things that are necessarily technological in nature. So whether that's a video game, right, which is necessarily technological, whether it's AR, VR, like, and the, the just crazy new storytelling experiences that that opens up. So people will be able to be a part of this avatar project. Um, they'll be able to get special privileges. We're launching... Um, some platforms down the road, there'll be special things that they'll get because of their key holders uh, as it relates to those. And so 
it, it really is, you create this really finite number of items, right? So for us, there's only 15,000 and that's it. We're never going to make more. And so as we, and Chase, when I say I am pouring my heart and soul into this, it occupies like everything that we do now, whether it's Impact Theory University, which is another thing, you get free access to Impact Theory University. Again, this is all for that top tier key. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that we do at Impact Theory is tied into that. Lisa's book is tied into our NFT strategy. And so in, in I was talking to Steve Aoki about this yesterday, and that was his, we had not talked about this particular part of it, but that was the exact thing that he said. He said, my entire life, all of the things that I'm doing are now rolled up through what we're doing in the NFTs. And that's why I say this, this one key part where you've got really creative people who now have a technology that allows them to see this person is for real. They're really engaged. They hold one of my keys. I know they do. I can prove it. It's not a counterfeit. It's not a photocopy of a ticket stub. Like this is really something where I know the exact ways you've interacted with me. I know what you hold. And the technology allows me to go based on what's in your wallet, I can give you different things. So now, because I remember back at Quest, we used to ask all the time, we've got these diehard loyal fans and I want to do something rad for them. But every time you tried to think through it, you could see the 72 ways it could be gained and the one way where the person had to be completely honest and all that and it would work. And so they just never work. You can't make them work financially because people game it. The blockchain removes that. And it's really cool because so for instance, We've put out Founders Keys. We've put out the Mary Mods Drop. And we also have these things called POAPs, which stands for Proof of Attendance Protocol. So it means you were there. So let's say that back in the day when you were doing your um, Chase Jarvis Live, that people could come in and, and actually get something saying they were there. And then you could say anybody that's been to three of them over the last quarter or last year, whatever. And you give them a one of, let's say, I don't know how many people, that would be 350. You give them a one of 350 original photograph, and that's it. There's only 350 of them ever. Dude, it's, and if people wonder if photos on the blockchain have value, there, there are photos on the blockchain selling for hundreds of thousands, and in some case, millions of dollars. It's, it's insane. There was pent up desire and appetite, but there was no way to get that global marketplace so that people could really see what's out there and pick the ones that speak to them. So that's but a taste. And obviously we'll keep developing for it as we go. So it's important. I think there's a distinction. We are talking about NFTs on a, this is a continuum here. And I would put Tom at the far right, uh, you know, off the charts. Far Um, right is bad uh, words. these uh, days. Oh yeah. That's a, I'm I'm far too a side. How about you are in deep, but the opportunity, the opportunity to get involved does not require that you have a 20 year roadmap, a media company that seeks to be the next Disney, a, uh, and a technology underpinning to that company that is, you know, planning to, uh, do this till the end of days at the other end of the spectrum is, as Tom mentioned, you are a artist and you are interested in selling 150 or a hundred just for round numbers. One of your favorite pictures you've ever taken. You can put that on the internet and people like Tom and myself and you know, the 286 followers on Twitter and your mom and 
five other people can attempt to buy this from you and there will, you've you've decided you're going to mint 100 of them there there will only be 100 and now you can both reap the benefit of selling that digital item and interestingly you can write into the contract for the sale of that item that you will receive 10% of every time someone sells that in the future so your uncle your uncle Larry buys one of your favorite photographs digitally he has number 1 of 100 in 6 months Larry hits a hard patch and he said I need to sell some things I'm going through a tough time and he goes and sells that on OpenSea and he bought it from you for $1000 and it's been a couple of years so now it's worth $3000 because there's a limited amount of those out in the world you just got yourself in addition to the $1000 you got on day 1 you got yourself 10% of Larry selling it to someone else for $3,000. And here's the kicker. That is forever. So in 50 years, in 500 years, if that continues to sell, you will, through the blockchain, be paid in cryptocurrency into your wallet for that transaction forever. Now, if you are familiar with something called stock photography, or if you are trading your time for money, this ought to be really, really interesting because now it's, again, this sort of buy and flip that that is an aspect of this that I, I don't think we want to get into. But the concept that you are tied as the creator of this authentically and unambiguously that you have an opportunity to earn money off of the digital goods that you produce, that should be very, very interesting to you. At the most fundamental, simple way, you can sell one photograph, a hundred versions of it and monetize that, that part of your artistic, um, energy all the way up to what Tom's doing, building companies for that is meant to, you know, last hundreds of years that the, the, and everything in between, right. And you're not just selling a photograph. You could sell access to the minting of your next photograph. You can sell access to an in-person event that you're going to have in downtown Denver. You're going to have a meetup. And if you own one of my photographs, you can show up. So what Tom just spent, you know, 10 minutes talking about, and at the other end of the spectrum, you have, you know, you independent artists selling your photography. Describe the size of the volume of opportunity between those two. Tom. It it's it is almost too big to imagine. So this, yeah, this is this is the point that I'm trying to make. It's crazy. Whatever you can make up, like you're providing access to the next art project that you did, and then you can you know you can attend the thing in person, and you get the next you know it's like it's literally infinity. So this is where this is another layer of creativity, is it not? Like Chase, it, okay, in, in ways big and small. So remember, this is a technology. Now, people get ridiculed for saying that, but it's like one of those cliches that becomes a cliche because it's true. And it's like, once people understand, so I have a core belief that people should not think about things, they should think about the nature of things. So don't think about the blockchain or NFTs, think about the nature of that. What is that? What's the, what, what is like the base level that you can boil that down to in terms of how the technology works so that you know how you can leverage it, right? So I didn't get to the idea of the founder's key because somebody gave me that idea or did it before me. It was really quite out of the box when we did it. 
it was because I understood what the technology did, which was allow me to know exactly who owns this thing. And that when I know who you are, now I can give only you special things. Like we have an ad-free content feed for holders of our keys. Okay. I wouldn't be able to offer that uh, just to be nice, right? To other people or to even people that like really delivered a lot of value to the impact theory community because the second they get that link, they can just send it out. So I need the technology that checks their wallet and says, yes, they have a valid version of this, therefore show them the content. And that is the, that layer is where creatives need to be focused is understanding, okay, wait, I can do really creative things. Like for instance, there have been artists, um, there's a guy named Mad Dog Jones and he created this replicator and I don't know the mechanics of it perfectly well. So I'll give you the gist and then people can go look it up. But it was like every day for a certain period of time, it was like printing out a new copy of that painting. So there was one, but then the copy machine would spit out another and now there are two and then it would spit out another and now there are three. And I think that the art actually either changed or degraded over time as if it were really being photocopied by a copy machine. And so there are just really clever ways. There are other people doing things where like over time, things will merge together. So let's say that if you buy five over time, they morph into something else or we're, we're doing something. This is actually really fun. So Mary Mods has characters, characters that you get to know and love. One of those characters is a Christmas tree. That's like a dog and really fun, playful personality. We created, again, this is for key holders and we created this decorating experience. And we got all these photos of like families sitting down together and decorating a virtual tree. It was so fun. And you can make the ornaments as big as you want, as small as you want, put as many as you want, put them in the air around the tree. They didn't even have to hang on the tree. And so people created all these incredible things. And we said, okay, just so you guys know, next year, 2022, so as we're recording this, is the year of the villain. And there's going to be an experience. So when we did the initial launch of the characters, we only gave you the five good guys, basically. And so now in year two, we're going to mint the bad guys. And the only way to get the main bad guy named Krampus is to burn bark the Christmas tree. And so you have to burn three barks in order to get, and the only way to get a bark was to have a Merry Mod. So for every three Merry Mods that you had, if you went and decorated all three, you can now burn three of those to get a Krampus. And so how many people will be willing to do it though? Your kid decorated it, you did it together, and now you're standing, and of course we'll have like this whole visual, like storytelling bit of like, hey, are you really gonna do this? And so we know that some people will because it's the only way to get a hold of Krampus. And so it's just like, I mean, you can see how excited I am to create these like moments for people. And that's the creativity that this unlocks. So it's, it isn't even just the initial moment of art. It's like all the things that the technology allows you to do. And because of the blockchain, you can create these limitations or, you know, do, I mean, there's so many cool and fun things coming out that are actually facilitated by the underlying technology. That's the point, I think, of the tool, right? The tool is a tool, and now it's what you do with that tool that is not only a differentiator, or not not only you know providing value, but it's potentially a differentiator because that structure that you just articulated, where you know you have to burn three of these to get one of these, like how many people are going to take you up on that? You don't know. It's 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 there's a a sort of a certain mystery about it, and 
what you just described, if you said, hey, NFT, you know, virgin, go think of what you can do with these things. That's not even going to be like in the, you know, 100 first ideas, but it's in your brain in a very unique way because you have a structure. And to me, that is a layer of creativity that transcends the photography itself, right? I think that's interesting. The, the design itself. There is the thing that you're putting out in the world and then how it manifests, what utilities it comes along with. And that is all up to you. Now, if you're sitting here and this is your first real exposure to this material, you're overwhelmed as fuck right now. <laughs> can, can you imagine, right? You're just like, uh, I don't even know where to start. So the goal here isn't to swamp our listeners. And for many of you, this is like, you know, you could be... Um, you could be uh, doing surgery right now. And this is just going on in the background because you know all these terms and it's new and interesting. One term that I don't want to leave behind that you and I throw around freely uh, is Web3. And um, so why don't you, for the sake of our audience, articulate very briefly what Web3 means and feel free, if you will, to juxtapose it to Web1 and 2, or I'm happy to... I think that's really the only way to explain it is to give one, two, and three. So web one was read only. So you went to a web page and there was content. You could read it. Web two, social media, was read and write. So you would go to Facebook and you could read stuff, but you could also publish your own stuff right there on the site. Web three is the ability to have ownership and participation. And so the ownership is being able to buy that collectible that unlocks things or, you know, gets you access. And the participation could be, I mean, almost anything. So it could be in the Discord. um, There are things for you to do, like we did this big. So we have um, on our keys, there are 50 symbols. And we did this whole big thing contest around identifying what each of the symbols meant. And so it could be that. It could be the burn event that I'm talking about where you take three of your barks and you burn them, which means to destroy them. And they really are destroyed forever. They are gone. And from that, you get this Krampus. It could be something like that. It could be um, actual creation of story. Some people let their community actually tell the story. So that is going to be a key component of this. And you know, as we build out the, the Avatar project, and this is what they call alpha uh, for anybody listening, So one of the things, this is deeper, this won't be phase one or phase two, but um, in the avatar project, people are going to be able to create more than I think they're expecting. So it's uh, ownership and participation. Like that becomes that, that level of engagement that you would expect from something like Roblox or Minecraft. That's Web3. So... We've covered a lot of ground for people who this is new. And I, as I shared with you on, uh, I, th- I don't remember if we had recorded yet, but like, I just, one of the reasons that I want you on the show is because you're doing aggressive, bold things and, uh, and you're articulate and you have the art brain and the technology brain. And so I want to thank you for providing this backdrop and, it's, I want to share also, this is something I'm personally very interested in and have been since I saw the technology I've been uh, watching, I would call it hiding a little bit. And we're going to be talking a lot more about this in this community. So given the ground that we have covered so far in our conversation today, what are some key elements that are missing from our, if, again, we're looking at this as a 1.0 where, you know, this is, 
we're sophomores here. Let's try and, you know, pave the way for some people to understand, you know, the next level. What are we ignoring? What hasn't been a part of our conversation? You know, we've hit a couple of the, you know, what's an NFT, what's crypto, what's, you know, these, mm. we've got, we've got some of the major definitions on the table, but what would you impart other key aspects of, you know, the aperture of what we're talking about here? One, I think it's really important to be cognizant that the price of an NFT could go to zero. And I think it is very dangerous for people to treat this like a, um, a store of wealth or anything like that, which some people do. I, I don't know of many asset classes that are as high risk as NFTs. So I look at them very differently. So if you look at my wallet and the um, ones that I hold, I've sold maybe three or 4% of what I've bought, everything else I just hold. And it's like, cool, the ones that end up being amazing, phenomenal, I assume that 99% of them are gonna go to zero. And so I better like the NFT itself, right? Like I better be interested to go on that ride. And that to me, I think is, if you think of it that way, you will be A-okay. But if you go into this thinking, oh my God, I'm gonna get rich. And there are, you know, it's tempting, man. There are some crazy stories about people making some real money. Um, but who, even guys that I know where they think about this around the clock, if you're treating it like trading, you need to think of it like day trading stocks, which is you're basically going to lose money, right? Like all of the biggest, baddest traders will tell you you're going up against me and I'm using hundreds or thousands of people and a lot of AI. So, you know, in like millisecond transactions, you are way better off going into, uh, you know, an ETF or something that isn't actively traded and just let it accrue value over time. So I would be very thoughtful about that. Um, another thing is it right now there's, there's a real division in society and some people are just way into the blockchain and what it does and how it empowers creatives and the underlying technology and all the things that it's going to bring to people from, you know, money that can't be inflated away that you really own and control um, to being able to have these incredible experiences from an artist like yourself, hopefully you'll do this one day where they can own your photography and be a part of like your community and that community. That is the, I think most important thing to point out about this is in web three there web two is about audiences. I was putting out content. People were commenting, but I was just putting out the content. Now I spend four and five hours a week, every week, in active dialogue with my community and finding out the things they like, they don't like. And look, I'm not, I don't just steer by the whims of the crowd. First of all, people are buying and selling the keys every day. So it's like, it's, you know, this constantly changing thing, but even the core that are staying, it's, you have to have a vision. You have to be willing to see it through. Or let me say this, there will be two types at least uh, of projects. Ones where it is decentralization is the reason for existing. And then there will be others where it's about having collaborators that are in there, they're helping you, they're deeply engaged, you're giving them early information, you're giving them access that a traditional company never would have given. But it's about, look, this is the vision and I'm keeping everybody involved in where we're going, but this would not be benefited by having a bunch of cooks in the kitchen. And so understanding though, the, the power of getting your audience's selfish desires aligned with where you're trying to go to engage them much more deeply than you ever would have thought in web two um, and creating ways for them to interact with the 
in our case, IP, right? So that they're actually interacting with the stories and things like that. And so if people come in with it, with that and, and one more understanding, because the division is caused, I think when, I mean, there's the cliche of first they ignore you, then they violently oppose you, and then they accept you, accept you as self-evident. And so NFTs are going through that phase right now where some people are just all in and we're all looking at this like, I mean, guys, just look at the math, like the amount of money, time and energy that's pouring into this space is insane. I've never seen anything like it for people that were really into the Internet back in the mid to late 90s. They're all like, this is exactly what that was. And so for people to be early to the the revolution, I think, is amazing and not as a way to make a ton of money, though, certainly that is possible, but to create and to build. And so that like, this is where the cultural energy is going. And if you are a creator of any kind, your job is to speak in a language that people can understand. And the greatest indication of what they understand is where the cultural energy is flowing. And so it makes me very sad to know that people are trying to fight something that is truly inevitable. There are, there's a lens that we can see for creators it's obvious like okay cool i can do my own projects in the way that we've articulated you're doing it you know uh samantha the photographer could do it there's you know, any number of people could do it let's flip the orientation for a moment and think about it as a member of the community because i think that is um the pandemic has you know reminded us that we are social creatures we talked about it earlier it'd be great if we were in person right now um there's plenty of things that are um, we're happy to not do them in person now, whether that's school for some people, work for other people, whatever. But at our core, we're social animals. And this idea of buying an NFT to support another artist, you used to go buy their album at Tower Records or, you know, whatever, rent their movie at Blockbuster Video. And now in order to support an artist, an NFT oriented artist that not only do you get the music, but you get so much more. And what's I think the most important and often unsaid piece, because there's a transactional layer that the media is obsessed with right now is that you're actually in, in participating in that community, providing lift. And the lift is saying, I support this. It's in my wallet. Other people can see that you support it. And if you've ever wanted to make an impact on a, an author for their book or a musician for their music, and if you can participate in their NFT community, again, understanding that some of these things will not, you know, maintain or increase in value over time, but that is an incredible vote. It is an incredible way to support an artist. And, you know, you've just outlined all the things that you're doing and not everyone has that plan, but knowing that you're voting with more than just buying the music, you're becoming a piece of the community. You're going to get access, whatever the conditions of utilities around these, the NFTs of these artists you're, you're supporting. I just think that is a really interesting way. It's not just about making your own projects and putting them out in the world. It is creative to potentially participate in growing something. This is how a large piece of the future of fundraising and building companies will be, you know, by through an NFT vehicle to support and grow the next generation of impact theory, for example. Mm. So I'm hoping that you can comment on not just the creator putting art out in the world, but the community member who's looking to essentially vote and support 
and help provide lift for the artists that they care about. Talk to me about that. I, I will be a little cagey right now because we are developing something that is <laughs> so perfectly the example to what you're talking about. Uh, here's, here's the abstract of it. We, there's a saying called signaling, right? So we like to signal both to others and to ourselves what we're into, what we're about. In fact, right now I'm, I am using a shirt uh, that signals one of the NFT projects that I'm a part of called the Board API Club. And there's something really profoundly interesting. Like I, I think that when people take a cynical view of what um, consumerism is, they come away with, oh, we've been brainwashed to buy things and all that. It's not true. What, what ends up happening is we have inside of us, there is this affinity neuron. And it makes us, when, when something resonates with us, we want to connect to it in, in a more deep way. And because money has value, one of the ways that we connect with it is to give this hard-earned money to get that thing of value or time, right? I went to the concert and I got this thing. And that matters to us. And right now, the only way, imagine I didn't have my own YouTube show. The only way for people to see the figurines behind me that really means something to me is if they happened to come to my house, right? So it is going to be some tiny number of people measured in the hundreds, I would imagine, or less. And now as we go virtual, the ability to express yourself, to signal to the world, to say what you're into, the millions of people have seen those figurines behind me because I live a largely digital life. Now, when it becomes just standard, everybody has a wallet. And if I want to know, let's say that I'm researching you for an interview, I'm going to go check out your wallet. I want to see what have you collected? What matters to you? And that kind of information when it, and it's getting more and more interesting in terms of the way people let it be displayed and all of that's really incredible. Um, it's going to be this way that we communicate with each other. And Chase, I really want to tell you about this thing that we're making because then you're going to be like, oh my God, like you're going to understand that the, the technology lets you bring a deeper layer. It isn't just going to be that you will see my figurines. There will be other elements. I will leave it at that. Uh, but dude, I'm telling you, like I have the chills right now for creators. This is unlike anything that I've ever seen in my life. And it allows you to deepen the experience. I'm gonna give you a terrible idea that I think you should do right now immediately. So go take one of the mountains. In fact, I think you've talked about this publicly. Oh God, forgive me if you haven't. But there was a mountain on which you almost got caught in a, an oh, I did get I did get caught, yeah. Yeah, in Alaska. So I wasn't sure how much you talked about it. So yeah. I was <laughs> trying yeah. to skirt. So it was uh, almost ended your life. Yes. So now if I'm a Chase Jarvis fan, I would kill to see that image of that slope taken at different times of the year and that it changes based on the weather. So you would go take, I don't know, 20 photos of that throughout the year, create an NFT. I would get a digital frame and put it on my wall. And now based on the time of year and the weather, and maybe even the time of day, that image changes. And on the day that that avalanche happened in the photo, we see an animation of an avalanche. 
like now I just feel like connected. And that is like the really sort of dumb, basic, simple idea. If you really spend some time thinking about all the different ways that you could create an experience that made people that, you know, um, want to connect more deeply to you or to nature or to whatever, like there are all kinds of amazing things. Like for instance, let's say you did some sports photography of somebody snowboarding and that person is in a competition. And every time they land on the podium for the whole day, like fireworks go off in the image or it's raining confetti or whatever. This is all doable. And it's these things called oracles, which are a, a thing that ties into the blockchain that looks at the real world and says, I can prove that this happened, puts it to the blockchain. The blockchain then would update and say, I know this to be true about the real world and your image will change to reflect it. So, uh, so much stuff. Like, yeah, so much stuff. All right. So I really could talk to you about this for the next six hours. And what I've hoped to have accomplished here is to both help the people who listen and watch the show become more aware of what I think is the incredible work that you're doing. And congratulations. Thank it's obviously nonlinear, right? You get two steps forward, one step back. You're learning, evolving, growing. But congratulations on being you know so bullish and and also being an evangelist for the technology whatnot um that we have trotted out a handful of the basic terms we've um i think given folks just your energy and the vitality that you have when you speak about it is obviously infectious so thank you for all of that i would at this point like to say what just give us the basics spend 45 seconds telling us where to go to get other information about this. If this has been intriguing for people, what are some, you know, some names that you like, some folks who are doing interesting things, just give us literally five. Don't go into great detail. Just give us the net, give us a primer of where to go. Perfect. Okay. So to learn about cryptocurrency, you want Michael Saylor, Robert Breedlove and Raul Paul, all findable on Twitter and YouTube. Um, to learn more about the world of NFTs, we've actually created tutorials for people. Go to founderskey.io, just scroll to the bottom of the page. We have like these onboarding videos that are like, what's a wallet? How do you set up your wallet? Uh, how do you avoid scams? Like that kind of stuff. Re really like 101 stuff that I think people will find incredibly valuable. Um, that's where I would start. That will give you a really um, wonderful framework for what's going on. Uh, Bankless is another really great podcast. I think those guys are very thoughtful. Um, yeah, that's where it starts. Awesome. So, so grateful. This is as close to feeling like we're sitting in the, the at the table, uh, at the, 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 the lounge chairs where we just did our last show in your place. Um, I wish we were together in real life. Congrats on, on all you've got going. It's super fun to uh, watch and clearly I will be participating. Um, thanks so much for being on the show, for letting us know. And then of course, you know, you're steering people to founders key is impact theory. You're still doing on a regular basis, uh, anywhere oh, yeah. else, you, yeah, anywhere yeah. else you'd steer people, uh, on the internet on my side at Tom bill, you, um, everywhere. That's B I L Y E U in case you're trying That's to spell that. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is scratch of the surface. Dude. Please pay attention to Tom and his work. Y'all will not be disappointed. Um, Thanks again, bud. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Until next time, everybody out there in the internet, and you as well, Tom, I bid you all adieu.
All right, that's all for today's show. But hey, before you go, I want to say thank you for listening and also for engaging with the platform. Wherever you consume the show, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere, thank you so much. Reviews help a ton if you're willing to. And I want to let you know, in an effort to continue the topics we explore here on the show, or if you have questions, you can always direct your comments to me on all my social feeds. I'm at Chase Jarvis everywhere. But also... I will see your message quicker if you shoot me a text. That's right, I can text directly with you. The best way is to hit me up at 206-309-5177. I get a lot of texts, so I can't always get back to you right in the moment, but trust me, those are my thumbs on the other end of the keyboard. So I wanna say thanks so much, and I look forward to engaging with you soon.